0: to Acts chapter 20, and um, I did not send you any notes, and one of the reasons is because I have uh, sent you, this is from whenever I'm picked up back in uh, November, I may do just kind of a brief review here for the next few minutes or so, and and just kind of hit some of the high spots, but I want you to look with me to Acts chapter 20. And uh, let's look uh, in Acts chapter 20 And let's start in verse 14 And uh, I want to read This passage of scripture to you This is whenever Paul Is leaving the Ephesian elders And again Ephesus was a city That was very much aware And keyed into spiritual warfare Uh, There was a lot of of things that were taking place uh, there in Ephesus. In fact, you can read in the previous chapter uh, that when the revival started taking place in Acts 19 uh, in Ephesus that there were a lot of powerful demonstrations of the Spirit against the forces of darkness. Uh, Great idolatry was there, witchcraft was there, curious arts were there, and so it was a church that was very much steeped in Uh, spiritual warfare. But look in verse 14. The Bible says there, And when he met with us at Asos, we took him in and came to Mytilene. And we sailed thence and came the next day over against Chios, and the next day arrived at Samos and tarried at Tregolium, and the next day we came to Miletus. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus, because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, "'You know from the first day that I came into Ephesus "'after what manner I have been with you at all seasons.'" And uh, if you want to know what seasons those were He tells us there in verse 20 uh, Talking about that But verse 19 Serving the Lord with all humility of mind And many tears and temptations Which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews I want to point out in verse 19 uh, That any productive ministry Is going to be made up of many tears and temptations Verse 20, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but I've showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And those are things that when you look Uh, that when he talks about repentance toward God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, those are prominent themes that you read about uh, in the Ephesian letter. Verse 22, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Uh, that's an important part for us to realize as well, that the Spirit does not always tell us positive things that are going to be taking place, that there are going to be challenges and afflictions that are going to be there. But look at what his mindset is in verse 24. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, you're not going to see my face anymore." Wherefore, I take you to the record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, and they will not spare the flock. Where are these wolves gonna come from? He tells us in verse 30. He said, also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Now, before we read the other part, I want to point out some some verbs there to you. Uh, Look in verse uh, 28. Take heed, therefore, to yourselves. And then look in verse uh, 31. Therefore, watch and remember. And so here is what I want you to notice, that whenever Paul is speaking uh, to these people, he is these elders. He's telling you take heed to yourselves. And then in verse 28, you feed the church of God. And then you watch For those things uh, in your own life, so heed, feed, and watch are very crucial things for us to do in uh, the church. Verse thirty-three: I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them which were with me, and I have showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all and they all wept sore and they fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake that they should see his face no more and they accompanied him into the ship, and that would be true. They would not see him again. Uh, they they uh, they did see him on death that they were faithful uh, because Paul did uh, was beheaded somewhere around sixty four or sixty five A.D. and uh, and this was his last run through there at Ephesus. And so whenever you start realizing this, I want to. Uh, just kind of just briefly run through this Verse 17 it's important uh, For us to understand That solid churches They need elders they, they need people That have been there That have gone through the battles And gone through the challenges And that they are able to help And to teach others uh, New converts people that are struggling, people that are having challenges in their lives. There need to be elders, and there also needs to be overseers that are in uh, the church of God. And so whenever Paul comes along, uh, he uses some knowledge there in, be starting in verse 18, uh, he begins to tell them, he said, you know, all seasons. What do all seasons look like? All seasons look like Revivals whenever Brother Clark used to come through. Uh, high-pitched times, times whenever everything is, is clicking on all eight cylinders, we feel the encouragement and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. We are to serve God during that period of time. But we are also to serve God when the funds are running low. We're also to serve God when people are sick, when people are dying, when people are backsliding, when people are accusing the church, times like that, we need to serve the Lord no matter what has taken place. And so it is, again, I just reiterate, Paul said this, he said, I didn't keep back anything from you. He said, I held back nothing. And I, I, I believe that, that all of us ought to have that uh, mentality in our minds, that there is no retreat or no regret Uh, that we're going to lead, that we want to pour everything out, uh, that we want to withhold nothing and make sure that we invest our lives in something that's going to last because I'm going to tell you something, this world is not going to last. In fact, I've been reading through some in the book of Revelation, Revelation 18, in one hour's time, the world system, Babylon, is going to totally collapse. And so therefore, I cannot put my confidence and trust in the things that are here because it ultimately is going to fall away. I am gonna go out on a little bit of a line here and I think John Kerry has said that we've got nine years left before this thing totally collapses. Y'all heard him say that? Global warming, him and AOC. Okay, well they're wrong because I do know this we have at least 1,007 years left. Okay? This world has still got at least 1,007 years. Now you say, where are you getting your numbers from? Well, there's a seven-year tribulation period, and then there is a 1,000-year millennial reign of Christ. So we know that at least this world is gonna be around... So y'all don't worry about that big uh, iceberg that's broke off of Antarctica and slipped out. It's it's We're not going to globally warm. The world is still going to be here at least for another millennia and seven years, okay? So keep feel confident about that. It's not all fixing to blow up. Now, that doesn't mean that there's going to be trouble and difficulty because the Bible tells us there is, but this globe is still going to be around for at least another 1,000 in seven years so y'all go tell folks that I'm a prophet (laughs) okay except for for I'm not really that kind of prophet I'm just telling you what, what what the Bible says okay but Paul comes along and he says I have kept back nothing again tears and temptations are going to be part of any kind of ministry that you have. Paul also speaks about serving the Lord uh, with humility of mind. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and let's look at that verse for just a moment, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, here is what Paul uh, has to say there. Paul, 2 Corinthians 10 and 1, Now, I, Paul, myself, beseech you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. Turn over to the next chapter and look in verse seven. Chapter 11 and verse seven, Paul says it like this, have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I preach to you the gospel of God freely? And then turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and let's look at what he says in verse 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 6. The Bible says it like this He said, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. And so Paul was telling them, he was saying that I am serving out of humility of mind. That is one of the things that we've got to keep in the forefront of any kind of kingdom building process that takes place. Is, is there, There's got to be volunteers. There's got to be people that are involved and that people are working. However, I have to tell you this, we cannot build a spiritual church with fleshly means. There's gotta be the empowering work of the Holy Ghost so that when it's all said and done, we have to say the Lord has built his church. And that's what you read about in Matthew chapter 16 whenever he talks uh, to Peter and he tells Peter, he said, Peter, he said, I am going to build my church and the gates of hell are not gonna prevail against that church. And so again, uh, Paul talks about that. How does he do that? Well, notice he, he brings attention, uh, go back to Acts chapter 20, and look in verse 19. Here, he, he brings attention to tears a couple of times. You see it, verse 19, he said, "'Serving the Lord with all humility of mind "'and with many tears.'" And then look in verse 31. He said, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. I know that sometimes people have a tendency to look and they think Pentecostal preachers are are putting on or whatever. But I'm gonna tell you what, if you've got a true burden for the church of God and you've got a burden to see people's lives changed, there will be times that you will be moved to tears in your prayers and in your service for the Lord. And I believe that preachers ought not to be the only ones that are crying. I believe that there ought to be crying Sunday school teachers. I believe that there ought to be crying youth workers. There ought to be crying music people. There ought to be crying sound folks. There ought to be crying whatever it is that you are called to do. There needs to... (coughs) could be some tears that are invested uh, in every bit of that because until you have invested some tears in any kind of ministry, it's never gonna have an eternal impact. And you say, how do you know that? Well, let's turn and let's look in, in Romans chapter nine and let's look in verse two. Romans chapter nine and verse two. Paul writes it like this. He said, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. That 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 was a part where that that he was literally in, he invested some tears into uh, that. Turn over a few pages and look in Second Corinthians chapter two. 2 so, Corinthians chapter 2, and let's look in verse uh, 4. Uh, this is a very, very good portion of Scripture. Here's what he says. He says, For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have you which I have more abundantly unhappy. To you, And then one other scripture. Let's turn over to one of the prison epistles. That is the book of Philippians. And let's look in Philippians chapter 3. And let's look in verse 18. And this is the other part that preachers sometimes, and I believe all of us ought to be able to weep over this. These are as weeping over backsliders. Uh, he says this, Philippians 3.18. He said, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. And uh, Saturday, I uh, after I had finished uh, our district licensing seminar, I Brother Trawick and I have, uh, over the last several years, have gotten to be uh, pretty close. And uh, Brother Trawick is a little bit older than me. Uh, He's 61 years old, and uh, so we went out to eat, and uh, this was my 25th year of being involved in the District License Seminar. The first one that I went to uh, was in Bruton, was in 1996, and uh, Brother Kraft uh, was the one that at the time was was sort of in charge of the District License and Seminar course at the time, Brother Patterson. Uh, was involved in that, and they asked me uh, to come along and to, and to teach in that, and so since 96, I think of my mass right from 96 to 2021 20, is 25 years, and so uh, we were talking just about our involvement <clears throat> in all of the district licensing seminar, and the conversation worked around and uh, of course, Brother Trey was very. He was our district youth secretary. He was first of all, he was he was on a he was a sectional youth leader. Uh, then became a district Sunday or district youth secretary, and then became our district youth president. And uh, we started talking about young men, young preachers that all started tracking with us about uh, the late 80s, early 90s, and uh, started naming off. Some of those names I know some of you think Oh they were gossiping But I'm going to tell you I, I was, I, I was concerned for myself Because I just want you to know this The further along you get The more slippery the path becomes And I'm just going to tell you Older saints This is my attitude And I can't say that this was always my attitude I hope this is some Christian maturity That has come in on my part, but I used to look at backsliders and think, man, how in the world could they backslide like that? And now that I have been around for a little while, and I've seen the wiles and the snares and the aggravations of the devil, this is my attitude now. It's like, but for the grace of God, and I told Brother Trey that, but for the grace of God, there go I. And what I've gotta make sure that I do is make sure that my mind and spirit is focused and that, that there are times you have to talk to yourself and you gotta preach the gospel to yourself and you've just gotta say that the Lord Jesus Christ died for my sins and there's gotta be a gratefulness to kinda move you back into if there's a tendency for you uh, to drift off of that. But Brother Trawick again, he and I were talking and, and uh, over a period of, of working on 30 years now, it is, it is, it's, it's concerning uh, how many people have dropped by the wayside uh, through various means and through various challenges and difficulties that came in uh, to their life. And so again, Paul was saying that. He said, I, I wanna tell you that even now weeping, I know that there were people that used to serve alongside, but now they have become enemies of the cross. And we have to make sure that we do not fall in uh, to that particular category. So, as Paul moves along, uh, here is what Paul uh, was was working toward when he was telling uh, them in that. Now, now I want to talk for a minute. I I hope you realize that uh, I think you know this. I, I take I take preaching very seriously. Um. This is another, uh, this is deeply concerning to me. Um, and, And we are seeing it at all three levels. We're seeing it at local license, we're seeing it at general license, and we're seeing at even levels of ordination that our people are incredibly biblically illiterate. And, and I just want to tell you, if you have a biblically illiterate ministry, it is not helpful for a local church. And, and, and again, we, we, we feel the move and the work of the Spirit, but every service can't be a runaway. We need the Word of God to be invested in our lives and in our spirits. And I I, I, I I take preaching perhaps too seriously, but now, uh, a few months ago now, I went to see, back in January, I went to see Brother Griffin, and Brother Griffin was telling me a story. He was back in, this would have been back in the early 70s. He had been invited uh, to be the daytime Bible teacher at the Michigan district camp. And uh, Brother Urshan at the time, uh, well it's been late This would have been after Brother Urshan Was a general superintendent So whatever, whenever that was It was early in Brother Urshan's tenure And uh, he said that what they would do Is every night And I, we remember I remember they used to do it at Alabama camp That the, whoever was the daytime Bible teacher They'd give them about five minutes To let them get up and say What they were going to be teaching about uh, The next day And so Brother Griffin said that Right before they got him up to speak That Brother Urshan leaned over Uh, to brother Griffin and he said "I, I want you to know brother Griffin he said I appreciate your dedication to the word of God and I appreciate your dedication to preaching and teaching the word of God and he said I just want you to know that I'm very concerned about the low level of biblical understanding that we have among our ministers and so it's been, I guess it's been something that has been taking place over the course of the years, and yet I want our church to, to go against that. And, and if you think sometimes I put too much emphasis on preaching, uh, please forgive me. Uh, I, I'm not gonna apologize for it. I just realize that there's an awareness that I see what happens in places that does not have a high reverence for Scripture and the higher that your reverence for scripture is the higher your view of God is and the higher that your view of God is then the greater the mag, the, the level the depth whatever you want to call it for, for worship uh, that, that it is and, and Paul was an excellent preacher and there's some things that are keyed in that helps us to see that look there in verse twenty, Acts chapter twenty and verse twenty. Uh, here's a word that he that he uses. He said, "I showed," and then look down in verse twenty-seven. He declared. That word there is the same word, and it literally means to announce or to make known. And so what Paul was doing was he was able to provide a great illumination over spiritual themes. Now, uh, Justin, Sunday night when he was preaching, he pulled off a little trick. I guess it was a trick. It was a deal. He made a deal with the champion kids. And he told them, that if they remembered all the points of the message that he was preaching, that he'd give them a candy bar. And so Sunday night, I didn't notice it, um, but while he was preaching, they were all back there writing everything down. And I thought to myself, I'm gonna bring in a 10-pound sack of candy bars Sunday night and tell everybody, I'm gonna pass these candy bars out when I get finished preaching. If you remember all... Of the parts, and then Sister Champion or Brother Champion told Justin that uh, that one of the nights, Monday or Tuesday night, that they went in one of the girls' rooms. I don't know if it was uh, which one it was, but went in one of the girls' rooms, and she was just sitting in there by herself with her Bible open, just kind of reading through her Bible. That's what we've got to do to our kids. Amen. Our kids have got to value. The word of God. And if we value the word, I think our kids will value the word of God. And and so so it's so Paul he showed and declared, verse 20 and 27. In verse 20, here's something else that we see. Look at what else has taken place. He said, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but showed you. And then he said this he said, I have taught you publicly. The word there is Didasco. That's the concept of teaching. I hear people say sometimes, well, I can read the Bible myself, and I don't need anybody teaching me. I got the Holy Ghost to teach me. That's what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, about, I don't know, verse 25, 26, 27, something like that. Okay? And so some people use that and they say, Well, I don't need some, I don't need a preacher trying to tell me or teach me, etc. I, I just want to tell you, I'm not that advanced, and I thank God that he has sent preachers my way during my lifetime that have taught and have helped me to grasp and to understand the things of scripture and so there is a teaching ministry that is involved but here's another word that you find look in verse 21 he says testifying and then look down in verse 26 here's what he says he says I take you to record and so That word testify and that word take to record, uh, the word there is literally, it's it's the one that is perhaps the deepest uh, and and the word we get, one of our our English word martyr comes off of that. And and here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that if I'm going to speak the truth even at the cost of my own life, I am willing to. To do that Amen. now I have some concerns that we are going to be facing some persecution uh, I don't know if you realize pastor James Coates in Canada right now uh, has been locked up in he's not in jail he's in a prison in Canada and it has to do with some of the covid situations and all that uh, that's taken place in that in that in that um, in their their neck of the woods And I, I am concerned that, that we will be facing Some of that Although uh, I think in the deep south Right now our churches have fared pretty well uh, Nate has been out In Albuquerque for some job Training for the last week And he was talking to me Sunday night and he said, you wouldn't believe it out here, Dad. He said, it is definitely different because they've had them locked down and they are just now starting to be able to get back into uh, their services to have church there uh, in, in New Mexico. But, but again, uh, Paul did not count his life dear to himself. He was more concerned about proclaiming the gospel than he was about preserving his life. And, and here is what I wanna tell you, preaching that costs nothing will accomplish nothing. And then in verse 31, here's the word that perhaps we may not like, but here's what he says. He said that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one night and day. That that word there means to admonish or to bring to reproof. And, and Paul knew the most effective way to confront to to deal with sin is to confront by warning and admonishing the people that was there in the gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John there are 16 recorded sermons that, are, that Jesus preached that are recorded. Now, obviously, we know that he preached more because John says at the end of his letter, he said, if I was to continue writing all the books in the world, could not keep up with everything that's here, okay? But there are 16 recorded sermons that you read in uh, the book or in the gospels. Now, here is what is taking place. If, if you look at all 16 of those sermons, even the one where that he says that I am the good shepherd, that there is a part, is that me? Am I roaring? No? Helicopter, okay. I thought I was roaring. I uh, thought y'all was telling me to pull, pull it down a little bit. Uh, anyways, um. In all of those sermons, the good shepherd, uh, uh, you look at every one of those, all of those sermons that the Lord preached, every one of them have some kind of warning in them. There are 40 parables that are recorded. Now, obviously, there are more than 40 parables that Jesus taught, but in all 40 of the parables that the Lord taught, Every one of them have a hint of warning, even the ones that are encouraging. And so I use this in every licensing seminar. I tell them that the best form of preaching is that preaching that comes in the form of a warning. I also quote Brother Enzi, and I quoted him multiple times uh, poor preaching is a heavy cross for a church to have to bear keep that in mind for all of our lay ministers poor preaching is a heavy cross for a church to have to bear I believe when we pray and these young men they're getting better they really are brother chad brother jonathan brother nate brother justin they they are getting better at their preaching and it's because they're doing it more and yet i've kind of pushed back in the back room i've kind of pushed on a little bit and i want them to do well when they preach and and i i I believe i wanted i want to do better If you teach a Sunday school class, if you're involved in something, I want you to do better because I believe this. If you're teaching the word of the Lord, you're teaching words of life to people. They're they're, they're gonna be effective in uh, their lives. And so all of these expressions that we uh, see here help us to see that there were a wide variety of different ways that Paul did what the Lord uh, had called him uh, to do. And so in in all of this, I want us uh, just to understand that that whenever Paul is looking back uh, at these matters, Paul had... Uh, An inner compulsion on the inside. Here's what he he said: None of these things move me. That's one of the most powerful calls of courage that has been written into the lines of scripture. And I want to tell you this, okay? People feed off of others that show courage. I, I can remember a, a friend of mine telling me that that he had really kind of gotten in. This was in the early nineties. Uh, that he had kind of gotten bought in and started listening to some voices that was trying to move him away from holiness and and those areas, and he was ready, just about to just throw the towel in and just tell the church, "Y'all just do what you want to do, and we'll still have the Holy Ghost, and we'll still preach, you know, apostolic doctrine, and and etc." And he said he went to our district conference. And he said that that year, he said that Brother C.M. Beckton, one of our old elders, he's passed away now. And Brother Beckton got up uh, and preached a message called Take Time to Be Holy and preached a message on holiness. And that pastor told me, he said that that night, he said, I fell down in the altar and repented and prayed and pleaded with the Lord Uh, Lord, forgive me. Now, he hadn't said it publicly to his church yet, but there was entertainment in his mind because he was listening to some voices. And because of Brother Beckton's courage, this pastor said, I'm gonna go back home and I'm gonna make a commitment, and even to this day, whenever you talk to him, uh, there is still a great level of commitment to holiness uh, in, in, his, in his ministry, and, and I wanna tell you that that's what Paul is saying. None of these things moved me. It was a powerful call to scripture, or a powerful call to courage in that. Now, how did that happen? I think some of that happened Uh, Like this, turn over with me to Philippians chapter four and I want to look uh, in uh, verse 11, Philippians chapter four and let's look in verse 11. Here's what Paul says. He says, not that I speak in respect of want for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound in everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then here's what he says in verse 13. He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Now what caused him to be able to say that is because he learned that in whatsoever state that he was in, to be content. Now I, I just want to—I want to just encourage any you involved in any kind of ministry. And I realize that there, we got an online people that watch our our church. So some of you ministers, I, I want to encourage you here uh, as well tonight that what you have to understand is this, is that you have to learn both how to abound and how to be abased. It's fantastic when everything is just moving greatly. It's not so easy whenever you have to walk in here, and it's not hypocrisy, it's just the calling of the ministry that you have to get your game face on. And, and and don't you think for a minute that you all, Brother Harrelson, Brother Patterson, they don't ever get discouraged. Trust me. Discouragement is one of the, uh, what you call it, the job requirements, uh, say that again, qualifications, is one of the, one of the liabilities, that's the word I'm looking for. Discouragement is one of the liabilities that comes to every one of us. And yet there are times whenever you have to walk, and I remember Brother Cole saying this, you gotta wipe the tears out of your eyes and you gotta get out there and you gotta lay your hands on people and pray for them and pray in faith and you have to believe. You can't come the church and if you got the hangnail and you say, Well, we just gonna not have church because we got a hangnail. <laughs> Upset. Yes, sir. Discouragement is the shovel that digs the grave of faith. Discouragement is the shovel that digs the grave of faith. And I got a little illustration floating around that uh in one of my little illustration books and it talks about discouragement uh, being perhaps one of the most, this guy went into this store and he was gonna buy some of the tools. A little demon went in this store and was gonna buy some tools to uh, try to disrupt and create folks and he got to this one little small tool and the price on it was astronomical and so the little demon asked the devil, he said, why is this one so expensive? He said, oh, he said, that's my main weapon. He said, that is my tool of discouragement. He said, it's cost more people their salvation than any other tool I've ever had is discouragement. And so what was Paul saying? He was saying it like this. He said, I know that when I am abased, when I'm dragging bottom, I've learned to be content. And I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now can any of y'all remember what you were discouraged about 18 months ago? No. Anybody remember? No. Can anybody remember what you were discouraged about 10 years ago? Definitely not. Most of us don't we we can't we can't remember. And what what has happened? You kept walking and you walked beyond that discouragement So that's what Paul was saying None of these things move me Zeal, Paul had An inner compulsion There was courage and bravery That was demonstrated In his character There was endurance That he was unwilling to flinch In the face of challenges And difficulties Those are character traits That Paul had in his life and he said, I'm just gonna tell you, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna demonstrate some zeal. I'm gonna demonstrate some courage and some bravery. I'm gonna have endurance. I didn't start this thing to quit. I, I didn't I didn't decide, hey, I'm gonna go a little ways and then I'm gonna stop. So how again, let's go back to Acts chapter 20, I think that some of the part that when we look at that is how am I going? to be able to make sure that none of these things move me. I think part of that's found in verse 28 where he says it like this, take heed to yourself. And there are distinct areas that we have to look at. First of all, if we are going to take heed, we have to look within. That that seems to be the place that Paul talks about the most is that that inner man, that man that's on the inside, that he's the man that I have to pray through. He's the man that I've got to let Scripture filter through my mind, and I've got to think through, and I've got to allow that to take care of ourselves. But, But also, I believe that we have to take heed Of those who are among us People in the church That sometimes get ambitious For power (coughs) And for position There's a man That John speaks of In 3 John uh, Chapter In 3 John Verses 9 through 11 he, He speaks about a man By the name of Diotrephes And Diotrephes What did he want He desired preeminence Give me the position, give me the job, give me the mic, let me be the presbyter, let me be on the district board, let me be the one that the spotlight is on. What was diartrophy's problem? He desired preeminence. Now what is at the root of preeminence? It's pride. And you read about pride in Isaiah 14 whenever the devil starts saying, I will. And four times he said, I will. And those, those I wills are the things that toppled him off. And yet Paul was saying, we've got to look within, we've got to look around among us, those that are working there. And then we've got to look around us because there are wolves that desire to ravage the flock. You've heard me say this before, it's been a little while. But here's what we have to understand that in every local church there are four distinct populations of people. There are shepherds, there are sheep, there are goats and there are wolves. You encourage the shepherds, you feed the sheep, you don't entertain the goats and you better kill the wolves. And we have to realize we've got to do that in the church. Feed the sheep. Don't entertain the goats And if you got some wolves You better get rid of them Which reminds me Let's stand I found some artifacts here the other day There's a box That was packed up And it was taken out of the Old Brother Patterson's old office From the old church And uh, I got over there And got to I didn't know what they were, and so I started picking through them, and I found an adult Sunday school book, and that Sunday school book had been all marked up, and uh, it had highlighted and underlined, and this is false doctrine, and and this is wrong, and you people are deceived, and, and on and on and on, and, and that person had left that in one of the pews back where Sister Lucas and Sister Malloy and... Brother Lucas and all of them used to sit back there on that back row. And we were cleaning the church up one Saturday evening and I happened to find that and knew who wrote all that stuff in there. And so I met that guy. And I told him he needed to find somewhere else to go to church. He said, oh my goodness, Brother Harrison, you're so terrible, you're so horrible, you're so bad. No, I'm not. Now, this guy fancied himself as a, as a lay preacher from another denomination and from so on and so forth. And a few months later, it's hurt my feelings so bad. Sister Brandy was at Walmart, and this guy come up and started telling her how sweet and kind and nice Brother Patterson was, but he didn't like, I don't like that other guy. <laughs> and Sister Brandy told my wife that, and I'm gonna tell you, it hurt my feelings a little bit that I had was such a bad guy but you, I, I, there, there are wolves that I just want to tell you what our church stands for we believe in the new birth message we believe in the oneness of God and it won't be until we get to the other side that I believe the Lord is going to show especially I believe that those watchmen that are on the walls of those local churches that the Lord is going to say here's what happened whenever you dealt with that situation and the fallout that you had to deal with, but look at what it did in the preservation of that church. And it's, it's like, you know, I, I, don't, I, didn't want, I don't want that kind, but I know this, that there's a responsibility that's placed on spiritual leaders. That I love the truth more than I love error. And if it's gonna influence and cause somebody to lose their way, then they need to be gone. And I thank God for Paul's example. I hope tonight this Bible study's been some encouragement to you, and we'll pick back up next week, and we'll start clocking it up. I'd love to get through the book of Acts, the end of 2020, I've been working on it now for about 10 years, not all consecutively. Uh, but anyways, when I get done, all y'all, you've got the notes to it. You're going to have a commentary. Um, and so, but anyways, let, let's thank God for his word and for his spirit. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for your spirit. I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that there would Lord, be a special touch of the spirit on every one of our lives. We know, God, that that heaven is the most important destination And we know, God, that we need to take heed to ourselves. I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that you empower every one of us, Lord, with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Help us, Lord, to reach the lost around us. And help us, Lord, to be an encouragement to the saints. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.